This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Behind enemy lines here on the Blood Red channel, I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Ahead of Sunday's trip to the turf, we'll be finding all out about the Clarets this season. How they find themselves at bottom of the league despite losing just eight games this season and delve into the threat their new target man possesses. To do that, we have Lanks Live's Burnley writer Alex James here with us. And uh, Alex, welcome back to, to Blood Red. How are you keeping? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, all good. All good. And uh, intrigued good. about... This matchup on Sunday at Turf Moor between uh, Liverpool and Burnley, and, and kind of just want to get from your perspective, obviously covering Burnley week in week out, kind of the tail of the tape for for this season for the Clarets, because so often we've we've sort of become accustomed to Burnley defying the odds and sort of finding themselves in lower mid table, as it were. But but this year, where I suppose for a number of years a, a lot of people have expected them to be bottom of the pile, and uh, they do look as though they're in a bit of a uh, scrap to keep themselves in the division this time around. Yeah, very much so. I mean, you you get to, I think they've played 20 games. You get to that point of the season, you've only won one game, then you, you can't really expect to find yourself anywhere other than, than bottom or very close to it. Um, we touched on it before, before coming on air, but they've only actually lost eight, eight of those 20. So that sort of tells you that they're in the vast majority of the games they play. Um, they haven't really been sort of beaten five or six or anything like that this season. Their goal difference is by far and away the best out of those sort of bottom six or seven teams, potentially even all the bottom half. It's it's pretty good considering their position. So there are there are glimmers of hope. They've got games in hand and they, they've produced probably the, the first real Burnley performance of old for a little while on, um, on Tuesday night when they came back from one nil down to, to get a point against Manchester United. The the crowd, it was a sellout as it's going to be again on Sunday. They were right behind them on, on Tuesday, noticeably so actually. So they've got a part to play and, and Burnley've got a lot of home games left. Traditionally they've been they've been pretty strong at home. Traditionally they've been pretty strong in the second half of seasons and traditionally they've managed to get outside of that bottom three. So hopefully they can draw on that experience and those past successes. But but as we know that's that's no guarantee of, of them being able to do it again this time around. Yeah, get what you're saying there. Has the dynamic kind of changed a bit at Burnley, does it feel? Obviously, they've, they've had the takeover, the American takeover that went through last year, but certainly thinking in January, kind of with the, the sale of, of Chris Wood, there was, uh, was it a Croatian midfielder they were chasing for a long time through mm. the window as well? It didn't really come off for them. And a lot of the summer business seemed to be done quite late on. It, it does seem, looking from the outside, that whilst Burnley have kind of been a, a pillar of stability under Sean Dyche at times this season, maybe it's not quite played out that way. Yeah, I mean, Bernie's transfer business is is always last minute, um, not intentionally, just by by where they are in in terms of their wages, what they can offer and uh, as a club. Obviously, you know you're not going to be, or nine times out of ten, you're not going to be competing in Europe or anything like that as a Bernie player. And trying to sign players in January when you're bottom of the league, it's not easy. Um, there's definitely been a change in terms of their recruitment processes a lot more rounded. Traditionally, they would have looked at British players, um, at championship players, at players who've got Premier League experience. Whereas, as you said, they were they were very, very close to signing Mislav Orsic, Croatian international from Dynamo Zagreb, until he had a, a sort of late change of heart. That was a real blow to Alan Pace, the Burnley chairman. But they were able to get um, Val Weghorst, who we might well come on to in a, in a little bit, in the building. Um, and he's looked pretty good, in it, albeit he's only played twice. Um, he's looked pretty a pretty good sign, and he does seem to be a better all round player than than Chris Wood. But the January transfer window needed a little bit more than 
replacing your main striker with another striker. They needed to add depth to that squad, really. They, they don't operate with a big squad. They've got four or five injuries. And, and when that happens, they are sort of unable to change games off the bench as, as perhaps often as they would like. Yeah, you mentioned transfer business and, and this year how it has changed. Uh, one player who's caught my eye fleetingly, kind of when I've, I've seen Burnley this season, is is Maxwell Cornet. Obviously, a lot of the talk's been around Dwight McNeil a lot of the time, but Cornet kind of coming in, I think, to most people, sort of sort of as a left sided player, but he's he's always played kind of as a second striker at times, hasn't he? And he, he's been quite a key player when he has played. Yeah, he's been massively important. Without him, I, I think it would be a well, it would be an even worse position than than the bad position that Burnley already find themselves in. He's been a breath of fresh air. I think it'd been something like five years since Burnley had signed a player from Europe. So, regardless of whether whether he sort of hit the ground running as he has done, he, he provided that little lift around the club. It, you know, it's a bit more exciting, I suppose, to sign a player from from Leon, and he's he's an established international. And um, when he's been fit, he's been by far and away, Burnley's shining light this season. As you say, he's, he did start on the wing and I think he was sort of, um, the initial plan would have been to to have him as a left-sided midfielder. But Sean Dyche asks for for a lot from his wide players and, and just defensively, he's been found wanting a, a little bit, understandably so perhaps, because it'll be a, a very different system. Um, so he's been pushed further forward and he's got pace, he's got attacking flair, he's got an eye for goal. He seems to have scored with every shot almost this season. Um, so yeah, he's been, he's been a, <laughs> he's been a, a, a real sort of shining light in what's been a, a difficult season for Burnley so far. He, incidentally, he was played back on, on the left against United on, um, on Tuesday. And he's only, he's only sort of just coming back from the Africa Cup of Nations. He didn't play a huge amount in that tournament for the Ivory Coast. So, Sean Dyche has referenced his sort of fitness a little bit in terms of getting back up to speed. Um, and he hasn't quite been as effective as he, as he was in the first half of the season since he since he came back from AFCON. But hopefully he can he can recapture some of that magic that, that he showed in the early months of the campaign. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does fare. What about kind of the style then? I suppose with Burnley, we, we know what to expect. It's one of the, I suppose, kind of cliches that's, that's trotted up time and time again. But back when the sides met at Anfield in the early part of the season, there seemed to be kind of a, a bit of a tantrum, I suppose, from, from Jurgen Klopp as to the physicality to which Burnley play with. Obviously, this year we've kind of seen those, the higher bar almost, as it were, raised for, for the fouls and referees trying to let things go. It's not really played into to Burnley's hands too much but it does feel as though at times there has been a bit of needle between Klopp and between Sean Dyche. Jurgen Klopp was was asked in his pre-match press conference about the physicality and and kind of laughed it off but it definitely is part of Burnley's game. It is yeah Um, I mean Sean Dyche always uses the phrase firm but fair and he wants his players to you know to go in for challenges and and to compete at set pieces where they've over the seasons they've had they've had success there's there's certainly been a little bit of um, needle between between Dyche and Klopp, stemming back, I think, four, five, six years ago when Ben Mee um, put a tackle in on, on Joe Gomez and Joe Gomez, unfortunately, and I think it might have been a broken leg, he certainly got a, a nasty injury um, and a lot was sort of made of that at the time. Um, then last, would it have been last season when Burnley ended Liverpool's unbeaten run at Anfield, the Dyche and Klopp had a bit of a... Um, square up in the tunnel um, which neither of them have unfortunately gone into any great detail as to what was said but there's definitely a little bit of animosity but I found it interesting today that Klopp was sort of effusive in his praise of Burnley a little bit in that that press conference. There were a couple of questions on on Burnley where he, he could have gone down that road of 
yeah, we know it's going to be physical. And, you know, they perhaps they play close to the line, etc. as he has done in the past. But today, you've sort of praising their efforts against United, um, singling out Veghorst as a as a sort of player to watch, and and he was <laughs> surprisingly positive from the from a Burnley standpoint. I know on on social media that's caused a bit of a hang on a minute. <laughs> We're a bit of a disconcerting feel amongst the Burnley supporters as to why he's changed his tune. But Burnley will try and, and unsettle Liverpool. They try and unsettle most teams. Um, they know if you try and take Liverpool on at a, a pass and move game, that Burnley are going to get well beaten. There's just no point in doing that. So you will get the four. I would imagine you'll get four four two or a, a variation of, um, and you'll get a, a defensive line that's narrow that block shots that invites Liverpool to put crosses in and, and backs themselves to, to deal with it. So I don't think anything will change too much from a, a Burnley perspective, other than potentially a little bit of magic from Corne or, or Veghorst, which we saw on, on Tuesday against um, against United, to, to get Burnley back into that one. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, let's talk about Veghorst then, because when, when Chris Wood left for, for Newcastle United in the transfer window, it was sort of an unforeseen blow, or that was kind of how it, it felt from the outside, that a release clause was was matched and that he was off to Newcastle United, and all of a sudden Burnley had to, to find a, a forward from somewhere, and in the end, for, for half the money, I think it was, or, or near on, they found a Dutch international who seems to, as you say, albeit only two games in, but certainly against Manchester United, which many Liverpool fans were happy to see, put in uh, somewhat of a, a stellar showing at the top end of the pitch. Yeah, second half against, I mean, in the first half, it was tough. It was tough for him because Burnley had almost none of the ball and, and when they did get it, they couldn't keep it and, and get it forward enough to to bring Veghorst into the game. And his debut against Watford was hard as well because I don't know if, if you'll have seen any of that, but it was blowing a gale and chucking it down with rain and it, it just made for a really stodgy performance that wasn't really ever going to bring out any sort of flair. Um, but that second half against United, Veghorst showed a little bit more than Chris Wood. He, he was very much a sort of penalty box striker. Veghorst is coming deep. He's running the channels. Um, he's capable of sort of holding the ball up a lot more than Chris Wood was. He can play with his back to goal a little bit more and his sort of little flick and turn for um, Jay Rodriguez's goal on on Tuesday night, which left Harry Maguire for dead, was was with a real bit of quality. And considering he's only been in the building for sort of two weeks, he only trained for the first time on on deadline day with with Burnley. He's, he's sort of showing signs that he can be a real. Um, I would say he probably is going to be an upgrade on Wood. He's a year younger. He's got a little bit more all round ability. Um, so that that deal in isolation, provided Burnley stay up, of course, um, will probably be looked back at a pretty good business. It's just a shame that that money they saved there by, by getting Veghorst in, they weren't able to invest in any other areas of the squad, which which do need addressing. How much is on his shoulders then, in terms of kind of that, that output of, of needing to be the man who gets the goals? You mentioned Corne before, but it does feel with, with Burnley quite often, it is kind of single points of attack within it rather than goals coming all around the pitch. Yeah, I mean... A lot, a lot does rest for Burnley on how quickly Veghorst can hit his stride um, and whether Cornet stays fit. I think if Burnley can sort of keep their their base that they found in the last three games, two clean sheets, three draws, no defeats, if they can keep that sort of solid defensive base and Veghorst is able to start chipping in with goals or being able to bring others into play, e.g. Cornet is perhaps the one with 
the little bit of magic that can that can turn a game, then then Burnley have got a chance and, and they can start to edge those games that perhaps have been drawn so far, turn a few of those into wins. Because that, that's all it is. If you know, there's probably been two or three games that you look back on this season and think, yeah, Burnley should have won that and they, they didn't get over the line. Um Leeds at home, Leicester away a two I can think of at the top of my head. And suddenly if you've got four or six more points, it, it's a very different proposition when when so little defied um, divide so few at the bottom so yeah it's going to be how he settles is going to be crucial um, the early signs are good but you know we're two games in and, and there's only 18 games to play for Burnley so he, he's, he's got to find his feet quickly um, and hopefully he can do that Sean Dyche certainly seems to, to believe he's on the right path Yeah as you say it's fascinating isn't it when you think about what one league win as you say 11 draws at 8 defeats and I suppose it does show that, that Burnley are a, a tough side to beat, and that's kind of been borne out in the recent displays. Connor Roberts was also speaking ahead of the, the game to, to the media and kind of said, Well, if you'd given us three points against Watford, Arsenal, and Manchester United, we would have expected maybe that we would have beaten Watford and, and lost the other two games. But actually, the three draws, it's, it's three points. We kind of move on. But certainly, the, the clean sheet at Arsenal and the draw with Manchester United, I suppose, plenty of heart taken from, from those. Yeah, definitely. Considering on the back, it, the game against Leeds away at the start of January, they lost 3-1. They were very, very poor. They then got dumped out of the cup by Huddersfield, having having led the game, and it was all a bit doom and gloom. Then they had a couple of games called off. Um, huge backlog of fixtures. So to come away from this little period of, of three draws and three points, there are sort of little signs of hope again now amongst the, the supporter base that perhaps Burnley can do it again. I think plenty had sort of resigned themselves to championship football next season, but you know, three three draws in the last three games. I think it probably is better than one win and two defeats, just because it builds a little bit of momentum and you can take a lot of confidence from um, going to Arsenal and, and getting a point and holding Manchester United having been behind. The the issue is that every time we speak to Sean Dyche, it's oh, you're X number of games without a win. I think it's whatever it is, 18 games or something, or you, you haven't won since September. So I know the players and, and the manager would love to get that monkey off their back, so to speak, and just to be able to to talk about other stuff rather than why have you only won once all season. Um, but obviously it won't get any easier with Liverpool coming to town on uh, on Sunday. No, certainly won't. I suppose it's interesting down there at the bottom, isn't it? Kind of just how many teams are scrapping away. Norwich City, of course, freshly back up in the Premier League, have, have gone recently. Watford as well in a similar position themselves up against Newcastle United. And I suppose just looking a bit broader, the likes of Chris would be there. Kieran Trippier, of course, former Burnley player as well. It kind of feels as though it, it, it may well be one of kind of those two sides who, who are able to pull themselves clear, unless, of course, the likes of Leeds United and Everton get drawn into it. Yeah, I mean, Bernie meet Newcastle on the last day as well. So there, there is potentially a story to be written there with, with Chris Wood coming back for the first time and, and Trippier, who's revered by, by Bernie supporters and did say at one point that, you know, he'd love to come back to the Premier League and play for Bernie. He's obviously gone to Newcastle um, in, the, in this window. Uh, so there could be a story to be written there. I, it's whether a couple of those sort of, as you say, a Leeds or an Everton or a Brentford or whether one of those teams who are currently in the lower mid-table just just have a little bit of a run where they go through four, five, six games with maybe one or two points and Burnley can pick up two or three wins, which sounds easy, but when you've only won once all season, it's, it's far from guaranteed um, to, to just drag a few more into it. Because I do think if you look at just one of the bottom four staying up. It's 
it's hard to make a case that Burnley will be that one because they aren't able just to pull a win out of the bag, whereas the other teams are. I mean, Newcastle have won back-to-back games. I think Norwich have taken seven points from nine. Burnley haven't had that run all season and you'd be naive to think they're going to just suddenly turn it around and pick up that sort of those sort of points returns from three or four games now. Um, so I do think they need to try and at least keep in touch with with an Everton, a Leeds, a Brentford, just to to keep more sides in and around it going down the, the sort of final 10 games or so. Yeah, interesting. And we'll have to wait and see how it does all play out. Of course, you can keep across all of the build-up across the Liverpool Echo website. Of course, if you want to read any of Alex's fine work, Lanx Live is the place to go and find it in the build-up to Sunday's visit to Turf Moor for the Reds. We will have plenty for you across the Blood Red channel as ever. But from myself, Guy Clark and Alex James, thanks for your time and your company. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.